0: Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Andy Cola. Andy was forever impacted after entering an animal shelter as a college student and learning about the millions of cats and dogs euthanized each year. After graduating with a political science degree from the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor, he held a number of government positions from lobbying to campaigning. But he knew he would not be happy until applying his work experience and passion for animals towards something he cared deeply about, helping cats In 2013, he began working closely with South Florida legislators, local shelter management, national animal welfare experts, community groups, and the public to help Broward County pass ordinances, start new life-saving programs, and find funding which directly benefits cats. Then, in 2015, he started Lumen LS, a nonprofit organization strictly dedicated to this life-saving cause. Their hope is to help shape Broward into a model community for cats by advocating for and implementing reasonable, sustainable, common-sense life-saving solutions. He's grateful to play a leadership role in the success they've had, but there's a lot more work to do to help Broward meet its no-kill threshold and maintain it long-term for all cats entering the shelters and living in our communities. Lumen LS aims to virtually eliminate premature death and suffering for cats of all ages and types in Broward and beyond. Andy, welcome so much to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Stacey. I'm really excited to be here.
0: So I just want to clarify for our listeners, Broward County is in Florida. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got started with Community Cats?
1: Yes. So I was actually in high school when I had my first cat solo, and he was just an amazing experience in my life he taught me the meaning of love, um, understanding, and compassion. And I've always loved cats ever since that. And I and I walked into an animal shelter, I think it was in Miami, um, when I was in, I started law school here. And I saw there was a huge sign that said 50% of cats are euthanized. And it just kind of hit me. I would have never expected that to be true. And that sign stuck with me ever since I walked into the shelter. And I just had to do something about it. So I moved to Broward County, which is about 35 minutes north of Miami. And I found out that the problem over here was really similar to Miami's. And it was my opportunity to do something before I started anything. I tried to think of where are all of the problems and what's going on with cats that that I thought was wrong or that I thought was a problem. And what I asked myself, I said, what are all bad things that could happen to me if I am a cat? And the way I I kind of put a metric on bad things was either death or suffering. And we're going to start with the worst of them all, which I think is death. So I found out the main ways that cats were dying. And one of the ways was shelter euthanasia. And it still is in many communities throughout America. So I figured it would be a natural place to start. Our efforts would be to virtually eliminate shelter euthanasia of cats here in Broward County and beyond. And how this all comes back to the community cats is that community cats just happened to be the number one category of euthanized cats at the time, which was about a year and a half ago. And it was just a natural start. We just literally broke down the categories of cats that were euthanized by the highest numbers. Community cats were at the top. And we were lucky enough to work with some amazing people in management here in Broward County. And we've completely. Reverse that category. You went from, I think, 98% euthanized to 95% save rate. So um, it was a fitting start and it was a great quick start to virtually eliminating euthanasia.
0: So you've accomplished that in in what period of time?
1: Well, the euthanasia rate for community cats, I would say in the first two months, went from 95% to about 15%. So it was almost just, you know, at the snap of a finger. And within four months, we had it down to under 10% and at the 5% mark. So it happened literally before we all knew it, community <laughs> cats were all being saved. It was that easy.
0: Yeah. And was that uh, just switching to a return to field type? Or a feral freedom type program?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we had um, our government shelter uh, director, who was absolutely awesome. He led the way in passing, and and along with the Broward County commissioners, um, they led the way in passing an ordinance which allowed the return of community cats to field. And we just simply, um, well, before that, we were kind of in, in talks with them to get the program off the ground. So once the ordinance passed there was no way you know we had to help and i think we went we went above and beyond to make sure that it started off successfully and that it, it maintains its success to this day
0: and how did you get the spay neuter capacity in place for the community cats to be returned
1: again that's the government shelter director he's just he basically if you put a if if you put a good idea to their to their management staff they're going to listen they're going to do all they can to make it happen They've shown it in the past and they just started squeezing in more surgeries. Um, they were doing the overwhelming majority of the sur- uh, the surgeries in-house to save the community cats. And I simultaneously was figuring out how to do the other surgeries that they didn't have space for. So I was taking out loans and just figuring whatever way I could get funding, the funding was there to make sure we could we would take out every single community cat that we would fix. I mean, I I would say they were fixing about 85 percent of the cats in-house and we were fixing the other 15 percent for about six months. It was just however we could to make it work. We found the solution together and we did it.
0: Right. So the story here is, though, you found an opportunity with a real strong partner and advocate within the government to help make a public-private relationship work to be effective for the community cats
1: exactly and we're just i call it cross industry learning pretty much um i just took something that i saw was working in other industries um government agencies love public private partnerships if you try to tell them what to do without actually doing anything it doesn't work most of the time um, so what we what I personally make sure to do was I wanted a real partnership where we would be contributing and they saw that they had somebody that had their back and they were going to keep pushing programs forward with them. And we still do to this day. So and, and this, that's the same with the commissioners. It was from the shelter management to the commissioners to other groups around the government It was everybody on the same page. And pushing the programs forward, which I think helped a lot. So the partnership was really key.
0: Do you have any sort of ballpark figures that you can share, like how many cats the uh, county handles uh, on a yearly basis?
1: Yeah, I think it's about um, this year. is going to equal about I would say eight thousand cats per year from the at the government shelter. And in the first year, we have we hit two thousand cats saved directly from euthanasia um, in our first year. And that includes about 1,500 community cats, um, about 250 kittens, and also a lot of sick cats. So, URI, um, ringworm, other cats that need temporary care, we've all of that together, we've saved about 2,000. And their save rate for the cats during the winter increased from, I think it was 50%, and it's all the way up to, at the highest point, it reached 87%, I believe, in February. Um, during the summer, it's a little bit lower than that because we just got completely hit with kittens. But I believe next year is going to be a whole different ball game for the summer also. So we're really edging on no kill with the government shelter. And it's something to be really, really excited about.
0: I feel it takes about three to five years for all that aggressive spay and neuter to sort of cycle through in a community. And it's often times when you first go into a targeted type effort, you may see an uptick because there's going to be more community outreach and awareness. And so you may see a little bit of an uptick, but that's okay, because then you are going to start seeing some very dramatic declines. Obviously, up here in, in Massachusetts, where we've had targeted programs, you'll s- easily see declines of 60%, 70% within a few
1: years. Oh, wow. Okay. So, that's something to look forward to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, places where you used to, we used to drive and get 30 or 40 kittens easily on a, on a trip multiple times during the summer. You know, now they're like kittens, what What is kitten season? We don't see many kittens anymore, so uh, <laughs> it's definitely different. So just keep at the spay-neuter and, and don't worry if they're, you know, anyone who's starting a new targeted program, if you see a little uptick, don't get frustrated. It just takes a little bit of time for the cycle to, to hit in. And then once it does, it goes down really fast.
1: It does. And that's a really important point. And we're actually in Broward County. We're lucky to have a number of spay-neuter clinics. Uh, We have the Humane Society, Animal Aid, Cats Exclusive. We have, I think, six total. So there's a lot of spay-neuter already going on. And it's just a matter of... and, And over the last couple of years, we have seen a decrease in shelter intake, which is also really good. So it's starting to work. And there's definitely... The intake could still get a lot lower. So firm believers in spay-neuter.
0: And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? We've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants. When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats podcast website under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. You had mentioned when you first started out that you had reached out to quite a few experts. Do you have a few people that you would actually list as mentors and helping you get started?
1: I do, and I would say not in the traditional sense of mentor some of them because I've never met there nor talked to them. I just read their material. But I would start with the first category, which are my true mentors. I would say Rick Ducharme from Jacksonville and the whole First Coast No More Homeless Pets organization Um, they have been absolutely amazing and they are setting the standard for so many different programs throughout the country. So we're just lucky to have them in our corner and we're just following suit in what they're doing and trying to make it happen down here. Uh, There's also been what I personally believe was a huge success or key to decreasing the euthanasia so fast in Broward County was the fact that we split up the categories of cats that were euthanized. we them into categories pretty much and we said okay we have community cats they're being euthanized in this amount of numbers then we have kittens sick cats and we divided the different categories and that actually came from Austin Texas and I've never met anybody from Austin Pets Alive but I've drawn a lot of motivation and a lot of guidance just from reading their material um, and doing what they did which was dividing the animals into categories and finding solutions for each category specifically so they're not, you know, I've never met them, but they've been such a huge motivation to our efforts down here. Excellent. That's great
0: to know. And that's uh, it's interesting. It's sort of a, it's like a subsection targeting with the type of cat that you're dealing with. So it makes sense to do that.
1: Yeah, Stacey, it is so easy. If you divide stuff into categories and you find a solution for each problem, it is really really easy and it just gave me so much confidence afterwards to know what the actual problems are because once you know what the problems are and you've pinpointed it or i shouldn't even say problems challenges i don't like using that word if you know what the challenges are you're going to find a solution to each challenge and your brain is just going to think about it It may not be today or tomorrow but you're going to go to sleep one day or before you fall asleep you're going to figure out how to fix that challenge so just knowing what the challenges are and having that in front of me every day and night, that was that's all I think about. And I think it draws me and others around me to to do more and, and just to fix the challenges. So it's really easy once you start pinpointing what the challenges are.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about your nonprofit, Lumen LS. Can you tell me a little bit about it and how it might be unique compared to some other organizations?
1: So I think um, a couple things make us unique. And there are other just as awesome groups out there also. Uh, what I think makes us unique is, number one, We love whiskers, don't get me wrong. The single cat stories are beautiful and, you know, they are for some donors and it's great to save the individual cats. But we're more concerned about the overall numbers of cats. Um, We would like animal welfare as an industry here in Broward County and soon beyond to move past the individual stories and focus on the animals as a whole in every other business sector, whatever that business sector may be you're going to see that there's a lot of performance metrics that people are in tune with. There's accomplishments that are based on numbers. And what we want to do is we want to switch the conversation from that individual story of the animal to increasing performance metrics pretty much in all areas of premature death and suffering for cats and other animals. Um, And the way to do that, again, is to pinpoint where the biggest numbers of death and the biggest numbers of suffering are not just in animal shelters, everywhere, and fix those problems. So what makes us unique is focusing on the overall bigger picture of performance metrics um, rather than the individual story. And the second factor that I think makes us pretty unique is... I think just our story. We're, we're a project. We, I don't, we don't consider ourselves a nonprofit organization that's here as a business for the long term. We are a project. We are fixing problems. We base our finances. We base our uh, messaging. We base our communication, our effort on time, simply on challenges. We are fixing challenges and we're going to move on to the next project while maintaining success in our current project. So if we look at everything in terms of a project, I think we're going to have a lot of upside in the future where we can improve a lot of a lot of bad numbers for cats. And it's going to be really, really great. I would say that's our two biggest things.
0: So being project based, often what happens is when you complete one project you know, another project may become apparent, so you may end up moving to another project or helping to model. I mean, you use the terminology that you're modeling a program here. So hopefully, that'll be something you'll be able to share with others across the country.
1: Yes, exactly. So we are modeling a number of programs, and uh, and again, um, the reason why I'm so confident is we're not inventing anything new here yet. We are modeling successful programs from Jacksonville, from Austin. Um, we're going to be visiting Brevard County soon. It's different categories of challenges we are modeling stuff that works and we're bringing it here to Broward County um just like Miami Days bringing it to Miami and north of us Palm Beach is bringing it to Palm Beach so We're trying to make things as simple as possible and continue to model and do what works already in other communities, and that's big for us.
0: So since you are in Florida, um, and um, we actually, up in Massachusetts, oftentimes there's quite a few people that I know that are very active in community cats up here who are very passionate about the community cats in Florida, and we hear stories. and What's your take on the situation for community cats across the state as a whole?
1: I can speak for South Florida. I'm not really too familiar with the North with the exception of Jacksonville. And there's no better place, I think, in the country to be a community cat than in Jacksonville. Um, But in terms of South Florida, I know there are some people that have concerns about it. I can't say anything except for positive for the overwhelming majority of South Florida community cats. We have all three counties that have instituted return to field programs. Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach return their community cats to field now. We have a lot of spay neuter in all three counties. It may not be perfect, but it's a really good start in the last couple of years. We have just the people in all three counties are just looking out for cats in whatever way they can. And, and it's the enthusiasm and the drive and the actual action and advocacy and laws and everything is just changing in favor of the cats over the last five years. It's just been a complete change in mentality, action, legislation, everything possible. Um, Are there some cats that are dying or suffering in the streets still? Yes, there are. Um, And a lot of that goes back to spay neuter. And, you know, what would your perfect world for cats be one day? And that's for another question. But I think for where we're at right now, and if you compare it to five or ten years ago, community cats are winning. They are not suffering as much. They are not dying as much. They have people, the people factor. Us, we're in their corner. And it's only growing. So I'm really, really excited to be a part of this. And I, I... I love the South Florida situation for community cast. and We're still going to make it a lot better than it even is right now.
0: That's great. And I would get the sense that you talk and collaborate with the folks in the other counties, as it sounds like you sort of have a, the coalition word might be a little bit strong, but maybe not, a grouping of organizations so you can sort of cross cross-pollinate in that area, because one success breeds success beyond the area, too.
1: Yeah, that, and that's a, really, that's a really important point. So we try to pick up as much as we to learn from everybody in South Florida. Um, and I think between the three counties, there's a general consensus uh, between all three government agencies and between shelter management on which way to move forward. So it's instituting the same programs. So, for example, here in Broward County, our government director came from Palm Beach um, in Miami-Dade County, you have Alex Munoz, who's running Miami-Dade Animal Services, and three years ago, uh, Miami-Dade was a high-kill shelter, and Alex came in with no sort of animal experience whatsoever, and he's completely changed the ball game there. So, to me, again, I haven't talked to Alex before for any decent amount of time, but just by knowing that and knowing where he came from, um, he's always learning. That gives me motivation, and that motivation goes to other people, and it just it's contagious. So it's. I would say there's a lot of tri-county help going around for everybody.
0: So the one important takeaway for all of us is if you feel like you're in your own little private, isolated bubble, it's really important to get out and network with others. Um, or even just read about the work that others are doing, get on other organizations' mailing lists, check out their websites, make sure you're learning from groups locally as well as all across the country to be able to further help and improve your program.
1: Yeah, that's big. And if you don't, you're just you know shooting pebbles. You don't, if, you, if you don't have anything to base um, what you're doing on, number one, you're spending more time um, trying to invent things that are already out there, and that's not really benefiting the cats in the short term. Um, And number two, you're probably going to go crazy trying to think of stuff that already exists, uh, which also doesn't benefit the cat. So learning from other organizations is absolutely huge. And there is a solution out there for just about everything so far in regards to animal welfare and just picking the strong points of other shelters and bringing them to your local community. That is absolutely huge. And if I could add on a little snippet here about excuses, there is a lot of times that and, and I'm 28 years old, I really... I'm not rich. I've never had a lot of money. I've never really had anything except for I wanted to change the world of cats to make it better. Um, And my conviction in that was really, really, really strong. And I think that's what's led to a lot. But there's a lot of times where I could have made excuses and started blaming other people um, for the problems. I could have tried to um, wait for others to do something. And I could have quit easily when, I don't know, my bank account was in the negative because I had to, figure out how to pay for 100 spay neuter surgeries overnight. And I could have not done it, but getting over excuses and just completely eliminating that from your vocabulary and from your thoughts, I think that's going to be huge for the cats. I just, I wouldn't wait for others to do it in whichever community you are in. Just do it, start yourself. And I guarantee you other people will back you if they know that you have their back. And just remember that nobody's vision or nobody's life view is the same. So people come from all forms of background and it's up to you for the good of the cats to kind of meet in the middle, everybody where they're at, and just to help save more cats. So just shun excuses, don't blame others, and keep moving forward with what you know is good for cats.
0: That's great. That's that's really a excellent way to think about it. When I was working with volunteers at our shelter, we would have different people complaining about how people were doing litter box stuff or whatever. And I used to always use the line, well, you know, we all brush our teeth in different ways, but what's important (laughs) is at the end of the day that the teeth are clean, you know?
1: (laughs) There you go. That's exactly (laughs) right. That's right. That's a good way to put it.
0: (laughs) So Andy, how could people find you if they want to find out more about your program or ask you questions about how you set things up?
1: Yeah. So our website is lumenls.org. That's L s.org and on Facebook it's facebook.com/lumenls. Please do find us. We'd be really happy to answer any questions with starting or pretty much anything. Um, what we do ask when you contact us, if you're looking for advice or anything, is just contact us with a positive attitude and come in this with a solutions-based mind. And you'd be surprised how far you're going to get. So we're always, we would love to help with what we know. And we can always get other people to help you also, no matter what the challenges are, as long as you take the lead in your community to do it, to make the change that you know is possible.
0: Excellent. Any last parting words that you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Yes. Um, So I would really quickly like to say that there is, shelter euthanasia is one form of premature death and suffering, but there are other forms outside of the animal shelters And for the last 10 years or so, the conversation has been overwhelmingly on animal shelters for euthanasia, but there are other forums. So for anybody out there that's thinking about doing something for cats, let's really get going on the shelter euthanasia stuff so we can move past it because we know what the solutions are and we have to move on to a lot of other things that are wrong right now with cats. And whichever community you're in, just do whatever you can to to put in the solutions that we know work. And then also focus on other things that we know are out there. And I think in the last ten years, animal welfare has come so far. And the next five to ten years is going to go to crazy new levels of goodness for cats and dogs. So, just do something. Like whatever you're thinking about right now, just do it. Help us. Um, help the cats. And together, I, I just think there's going to be a really bright future for our cats and dogs. So I'm really excited about it,
0: Andy. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I think we could probably go on for another half an hour easily. Um, <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I really do hope that maybe we can have you on the show again in the future.
1: That sounds amazing. And thank you so much for having me on, Stacey.
0: Thank you for listening to a Community Cats Podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.